Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That is the Pledge of Allegiance. Often recited here in the United States of America at schools, in patriotic circles, if you will. Unfortunately, it has become a debatable topic, which quite frankly blows my mind. So welcome in, everybody. This is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Reliance School. At Nature Reliance School, we usually, sometimes I actually forget to get the American flag flying wherever it is that we're teaching because sometimes we're out in the middle of nowhere when we're teaching, so I don't put it up every time. But what I wanted to do was talk about the American flag today. I'll tell you why. I was teaching a couple of courses at a location called the Sawmill Training Complex down in South Carolina this past weekend as I record this. I was teaching there under the banner of Fieldcraft Survival. If you're not familiar with Fieldcraft Survival, it's a it's actually a very fantastic organization. They do a lot of training. They have some great gear. So we'll have a link in the description for Fieldcraft, so check that out. The Sawmill Training Complex is a location that hosts any number of different organizations that teach coursework, primarily uh, tactical. I don't, I, I don't like using that word tactical, but weapons type coursework, whether it be carbine or pistol. Um, some of it has law enforcement training there, military training there, civilian training there. And it's quite frankly, just one of the finest places I've been for training in a long time. The host, the gentleman that was overseeing the complex and making sure everything went off without a hitch, Scott Puckett, I believe his last name is Puckett fine individual. He came in and gave a, a nice discussion about the complex, 
and other topics before each of my classes that I was leading. Uh, Kevin Estella was there for Fieldcraft. He was teaching some survival coursework. I was there teaching some navigation and tracking coursework. Uh, we Our classes met together in the mornings, and it gave Scott an opportunity to tell everybody that was there about the complex, and we started both days off with the Pledge of Allegiance. That's missing, you all. In my opinion, it's missing. I think we need to do more of it. As Scott said in the particular, I think it was on day two, he was talking about the oath that some of the military members that were in class, law enforcement members that were in class, but particularly those in the military that had taken an oath before enlisting in the military, he said, that right there, the Pledge of Allegiance, that's your oath. That's my oath again. Anytime we use that Pledge of Allegiance, we're, we're citing an oath, and I like that. It inspired me to do this podcast that we're doing today. What I wanted to do is take a break from the outdoors. Ah, is that is that the right way of saying it? I don't know if taking a break from the outdoors, I'm just giving thanks to something that is giving us the opportunity to do exactly what it is that we do. We live in a free country. I get to I traveled over six hours to go train at the sawmill complex. Sometimes I travel five minutes to go to places and train people here in my hometown. I get to pretty much go when and where I want to go. Nobody's stopping me. It's a free country. It's really cool. I love it like that. But what I wanted to do in this particular podcast is talk about the flag. The flag of the United States of America. It's a you know, it's a symbol for many. It should be a symbol for all of us in this country, and unfortunately, we're losing some of that symbolism and at least understanding what that symbolism is. So I want to refresh our memories on it. Thanks for joining me. Glad you're here. Let's get into a few of these things. So you may notice on the flag that it has 13 alternating red and white stripes that represent the 13 original colonies. Now, when the flags were first being made, they were just adding red and white stripes based upon how many different colonies there were. But they eventually said, hey, let's stop at 13. It's 50 white stars represent the 50 states. You know, there's been some talk about maybe adding Washington, D.C. or maybe Puerto Rico, uh, some other territories as possibly states now or down the road. And I think that's a political move, but. What would we do with the flag? How would we change it? That's something I thought about the other day. Should we change it? Should we add another state? Interesting times that we live in, that's for sure. The colors on the flag, red represents valor and bravery, white, purity and innocence, and blue represents vigilance, perseverance, and justice. Think about those words. Valor, bravery, purity, innocence, vigilance, perseverance, justice. These are all words that when you look at the United States flag, the American flag, those are the kinds of things that those colors represent. Here's what we know about the flag and the code or the etiquette that surrounds it. On June of 20, June 22, 1942, Congress passed a joint resolution that amended, that was later amended in December of 1942 that basically set forth what we now know as the United States flag code. So there's several guidelines that involve how citizens should behave around the flag. There's also some things about how military personnel should behave around the flag. And what I wanted to do was share some of those things 
Maybe these are the first time you've heard them. Maybe this is the first time you've heard them in a long time. So either way, even refreshing my memory on them has been really good for me, and I hope you find some enjoyment in some of these things and actually put some thought into them. So here's some things when you are supposed to display the American flag. The flag is not supposed to be displayed on days where the weather is inclement. Raining, snowing, you should take the flag down. As I was driving, it was it was interesting to me, and, and it was interesting to me that there was some inspiration that happened at the class because as I was driving out and leaving to go to class, there was an incredible ice storm here in Kentucky, and somebody's house that I was driving by had lost a tree. The tree had fallen down, had hit their flagpole, and their American flag was laying on the ground and covered in ice as I was driving out, and dozens of people had driven by it. I couldn't. I stopped, picked it up, folded it, put it on their front porch so they could handle it as best they could. Here's the custom on how to display the flag and timing. The custom is to display the flag only from sunrise to sunset on flagstaffs in the open, but it may be displayed at night if, this is a big if, it is illuminated to produce a patriotic effect. The flag should be displayed at every public institution and in or near every polling place on election days and at the schoolhouses during election days. Now, here's some guidelines for displaying the flag. When the flag is hung vertically on a wall, and I'm telling you what right now, everybody, I have trouble remembering which way to hang the flag when it's on a wall. When the flag is hung vertically on a wall, window or door, the union, that's the blue section, should be to the observer's left. When the flag is hung either horizontally or vertically against a wall, the union should be to the observer's left. Say that again. Think about the blue section, the part that has the stars on it. When the flag is hung vertically on a wall or window or door, the union, that's the blue section, should be to the observer's left. When the flag is hung either horizontally or vertically against a wall, the union should be to the observer's left. In a procession, the American flag should be to the right, the flag's own right, that is, of any other flag or, if in a line of other flags, in front of the center of that line. When displayed from a staff projecting from a building, the union should be at the peak of the staff. When the flag is displayed otherwise than being flown from a staff, it should be displayed flat, whether indoors or out, or so suspended that it folds fall as freely as though the flag were staffed. Perfect example of a mistake. I've had a flag behind me on our podcast and our Zoom courses, and I do not currently have that flag displayed properly, so I'm going to correct that. This is another reason I like doing these sorts of things to try to help you, because it definitely helps me. When displayed over a street, the flag should be suspended vertically with the union to the north in an east and west street or to the east in a north and south street. Think about that one for a second. On a platform, the flag should be above and behind the speaker with the union uppermost and to the observer's left. When displayed from a staff in a church or auditorium, the flag should occupy the position of honor and be placed at the speaker's right as he faces the audience. When the flag is used to cover a casket, 
The union should be at the head and over the left shoulder. Now here's some stuff on hoisting and lowering the flag. I had the good fortune that when I was in sixth grade, I was responsible for raising and lowering the flag each day in my elementary school. I counted that quite a privilege to be able to do that. I thought that was so cool that I got to do that. And I was given the task of finding people to help me. And so I was the lead, if you will, on making that happen. But I picked somebody to go with me every day. And I I don't, I'm not saying I was smart or some sort of leader oriented to that time, but I picked somebody different every day. There were certain people that liked doing it, so I picked them as we went through the years because I was responsible for raising it and lowering it every day. Yeah, pretty cool stuff, I thought, for a sixth grader. The flag should be hoisted briskly and lowered ceremoniously. I did that. I guess my sixth grade teacher did a good job of teaching me that because I did that when I was responsible for it. Thank you, Mrs. Fleming. When flown at half-staff, the flag should be hoisted to the peak for an instant and then lowered to half-staff position. It should again be raised to the peak before it is lowered for the day. Half-staff is one-half the distance between the top and the bottom of the staff. The flag must be flown at, flown at half-staff on all buildings on the death of any officer listed below for the period indicated. For the president or a former president, 30 days from the date of death. For the vice president, the chief justice, or a retired chief justice of the United States, or the speaker of the House of Representatives, 10 days from the day of death. For an associate justice of the Supreme Court, a member of the cabinet, a former vice president, the president pro temp of the Senate, the majority leader of the House of Representatives, the minority leader of the House of Representatives, from the day of death until internment. For a United States Senator, Representative, Delegate, or the Resident Commissioner from the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the flag should be flown in the metropolitan area of the District of Columbia on the day of death and on the following day. In the state, congressional, district, territory, or commonwealth of such Senator, Representative, Delegate, or Commissioner from the day of death until internment. For a Governor, within the state, territory, or possession from the day of death until internment. I think that is one of the misused, most misused things out there. We lower the flag to half-staff for some of the most, how do I say it, most unworthy people, in my opinion. Displaying the American flag on a vehicle. The flag should not be displayed on a float except from a staff, nor draped over the hood, top, sides, or back of a vehicle. When the flag is displayed on a vehicle, the staff should be fixed firmly to the chassis. Chassis. Here's some etiquette when displaying the American flag alongside other flags. In the United States, no other flag should be placed above the American flag, or, if they are to be placed on the same level, to the right of the American flag. The United Nations flag may not be displayed above or in position of superior prominence to the United States flag except at United Nations headquarters. I think that's bullcrap. Because the UN headquarters, if you're not aware, is here in our country. So, no. No, I disagree with that one. <laughs> uh, here I am wanting to change the flag code. <laughs> All right, so moving on. The flag, when displayed with or with another against a wall, both from cross staffs, should be on the right, the flag's own right. And its staff should be in front of the other staff. The American flag should be at the center and highest point when displayed with a group of state flags. 
when flags of states, cities, etc. are flown on the same halyard, the American flag should be at the peak. When flags of two or more nations are displayed, they are to be flown from separate staffs of the same height, and the American flag should be hoisted first and lowered last. Now, check this out. Here's some ways that the flag should not be displayed. The flag should not be dipped to any person or thing, including government officials, even the president. The flag should never be displayed with the Union stars down, unless as a signal of dire distress. This is one that, quite frankly, is starting to piss me off. I digress here a little bit, but I have to talk about it. Some people are saying that we are in distress as a country, and they've been putting and showing flags of distress on social media. Actually, I saw a flag of distress on a piece of farmland near where I spent a lot of time in the woods, and I seriously thought, do I need to go up in there to that farm and see if somebody needs help? But they didn't. The flag was in a location where the only way to have gotten to it was you had to walk down there and it was kind of, it was in a situation where it's obvious that somebody was making a political statement, but having the union down as a show of distress. And I think that diminishes what it is that that show of distress is about. I don't think we should do that ever unless we are actually in dire distress. Moving on. The flag should never touch anything beneath it, such as the ground, the floor, water, or merchandise. That's why I picked that flag up the other day. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part, it's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me. Your outdoor adventures will never be the same. The flag should never be carried flat or horizontally, but always aloft and free. The flag should never be fastened, displayed, used, or stored so that it might be easily torn, soiled, or damaged in any way. The flag should never be used as a covering for a ceiling. Hmm, I've seen that before. The flag should never have anything placed on it. The flag should never be used for any advertising purpose, nor embroidered on cushions or handkerchiefs, printed on paper napkins or boxes, nor used as any portion of a costume. I debated that when we made some t-shirts and some hoodies that had the American flag on it, and I actually looked at the etiquette from my perspective, and I could be wrong, somebody call me out on this if you feel like I'm wrong. I don't feel like what we've done with our t-shirts and our hoodies is inappropriate according to flag etiquette. But again, I'm open to being called out on that. So uh, I'll correct that moving forward if I should. How to properly dispose of an American flag. I've been part of a ceremony that did this once before too. When the flag is in such condition that it is no longer a fitting emblem, it should be destroyed in a dignified dignified and ceremonious fashion, preferably by burning. Uh, If you weren't aware, most American Legion posts will conduct a ceremony each year on Flag Day 
to retired old or worn out flags. Here in my little hometown in Winchester, Kentucky, our mayor, Ed Burtner, lobbied real early on when he became mayor. He was city manager before that. And he might have done this when he was city manager, but he's a good old Marine. And he, uh, we have an old uh, post office box that's at the courthouse. And so if you have a tattered flag and you want it to be destroyed properly, you can place it in there and they will take care of it for you. Uh, you can also ask Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts about retiring a flag. They have ceremonies, and it's actually, I think, in my opinion, really good for the Scouts to handle that. All right, a couple other things that I want to share. I want to go over when to salute the flag and how to do it properly, whether you're in the military or you're a civilian. And then I've got some flag moments for you, some historical pieces, and I think you'll really like those. So thanks for hanging here with me. When saluting the flag, do the following. All persons present in uniform, that's military, police, fire, etc., should render the military salute. Members of the armed forces and veterans who are present but not in uniform may render the military salute. It's their choice. All other persons, that would be me, present should face the flag and stand at attention with their right hand over their heart. If applicable, they can also remove the headdress or should remove their headdress, that's their hat with their right hand and hold it at their left shoulder, the hand being over the heart. So basically take your cap off, put your hand near your heart, and your hat will be near your shoulder. Now, when you're going to stow the flag, do the following. You fold in the traditional triangle for storage, never wad it up. I currently have five flags in my office. Two of those were gifts to me from people in the military. Well, all five of them were gifts from the military. Two of them were for situations where people that I had trained passed away in warfare. There are oftentimes a lot of flags in situations like that, and they pass them on to different people. A couple of the units that I trained uh, sent me flags to remember those people that I had trained. And the three others that I have were flags that flew over barracks of different units that I trained in the military, and they were kind enough to send me flags. Uh, it's I have them on my desk as I'm recording this. I'm looking at it right now. I placed it in front of me. The I have one of those triangular storage devices, and I keep the two that were flown in remembrance over somebody who died in battle. I keep them in a storage container. The other three I keep on a bookshelf and regularly clean them off on my bookshelf so you can see them. The flag, again, should be folded in a customary manner. It is important that the fire, if you're going to... Oh, I think I got off here. Yeah, when you're disposing of the flag, you're supposed to have it folded, and you're supposed to have the fire very large so that it is uh, intense enough to burn the flag completely up. So that's a few things on stowing and saluting, or stowing and disposing of the flag. Uh, oh, let's add this in there too. Uh, after the flag is completely consumed, the fire should then be safely extinguished and the ashes buried. That's important. And please make sure you are conforming to local state fire codes or ordinances. So here's 10 American flag moments that I want to share with you too. These are pretty cool. The first flag was flown, or I mean, sorry, the first flag was sewn by Betsy Ross. A lot of people know that. We think that's the case. We, there's some documentation 
and it's not really totally clear, but legend has it that it was a she was a well-known seamstress in Philadelphia. And that George Washington enlisted her to sew the first Stars and Stripes American flag. So again, I mentioned this earlier, but the 13 stripes became standard in 1818, April 4th, 1818. Up until that time, the tradition had been to add a new stripe and a new star for every new state that entered the Union. And so they handled it so that there were 13 stripes that became standard in, in April of 1818. As the states began to gain admittance, they added a star for each of the new states. Oh, Glory, which is the name given to the American flag in 1831 by a Captain William Driver. Captain Driver took the flag on many of his ocean voyages. The Battle of San Juan Hill was considered to be, by many, one of the bloodiest and most famous battles of the Spanish-American War. The Battle of San Juan Hill occurred in July of 1898. Future President Theodore Roosevelt, at that time a colonel, led his famous regiment, the Rough Riders, to victory against the Spanish forces. Afterwards, Roosevelt and his victorious Rough Riders raised an American flag and posed for the now famous pitcher atop that hill. Flag Day was adopted on May 30th of 1916. President Woodrow Wilson issued a proclamation that officially established, established June 14th as Flag Day. The same day in 1777 that Congress originally adopted the Stars and Stripes as the United States national flag. Flag is expected to be flown on all government buildings and United States citizens are encouraged to fly the flag on this day as well. It's good stuff. You know that famous picture over Iwo Jima, listen to this. One of the most popular American flag images in American history was the raising of the flag over Iwo Jima taken in 1945. It's the only photo to ever win the Pulitzer Prize for, for photography in the same year as its publication. The image was captured during the Battle of Iwo Jima in World War II. Six men raised the flag, three of which were later killed. The other three became celebrities after the war because of the picture. Following the admission of the state of Hawaii to the United States, the 50-star flag of the United States was officially flown over Philadelphia. This occurred under the executive order of President Eisenhower. I think Eisenhower was, was he our last five-star general? Somebody's listening to me will email me at podcast at naturereliance.org and let me know. I think he was our last five-star. This is about when Armstrong, walk, Armstrong walked on the moon. Neil Alden Armstrong was the first person to step foot on the moon. On July 21st, 1969, Armstrong stepped onto the moon and spoke the famous words, That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin then planted the flag of the United States permanently on the moon. Last one, one that I was actually alive for and saw. Many of you that are listening probably did too. When the World Trade Center collapsed. Following the terrorist attacks on September 11th to 2001 and the collapse of the World Trade Center buildings, firefighters hoisted a flag above the rubble. A similar image to that of the raising of the flag over Iwo Jima. The World Trade Center photo has become equally as famous. And again, as I mentioned, I had the good fortune of being down at the Sawmill Training Complex this past weekend. Got to spend some time, a couple of evenings, sitting around the table, listening to a bunch of warfighters, pipe hitters, fantastic Americans, in my opinion, telling stories about their work. Humble people, man. It, it always blows my mind around be around these guys. The humility and courage that they display 
the things that they talk about. It's always just a pleasure to be around these guys and hear some of the stuff they've had to do and how important it is for them to understand the importance of the American flag. There was an opportunity for two or three of these, you know, these really what I would consider really important people to take a picture. Where'd they take it? Right in front of an American flag. Where else would they take it, right? I mean, it's just pretty, it's pretty fantastic. And uh, I was pleased to be among men of such caliber. Very pleased to be among such men of, um, of high caliber. So there you have it, you all. There's some things that maybe you already knew or maybe just being to be reminded of them. Maybe you've never heard some of these things about the flag. I know it's encouraged me to do some things a little bit better than what I have been doing, and I hope it encourages you as well. As always with Nature Reliance School, we appreciate our history. Uh, we're thankful for you, dear listener, that you listen in and take in what it is that we send out to you. It's not intended to be something that you just listen to us and go, oh, that's cool. It's intended for you to encourage encourage you, literally, to help you. If you've learned something in this particular podcast, then share it with somebody, please. If, you, if everybody that listens to our podcast take the information that we share with you and shares it with another person, then Tracy and me sitting here producing this co- podcast together can exponentially improve the people that we have a reach for and we cannot thank you enough for that i want to give a big shout out to our financial supporters we have some people that are sending us money every month to make the podcast happen if you want to be one of those and send us an email at podcast at naturealliance.org we can't do what we do without our supporters those that share everything doesn't cost you a thing share these podcasts with whoever wherever that you think people might be inspired by them or use them to learn and again, for everybody that uh, sends us a few bucks here and there, $5, $10, $20, whatever it is that you're sending us here and there, we cannot thank you enough. Oh my gosh, we can't thank you enough. So more to come on that. We have opportunities for people to join our community of people financially for a small amount of money, and we'll be taking care of you in the way that we do. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. That wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.